Alrighty. certain of Three nines. Too bad Google can't search for that. I know. Sit up. Back on the streets. Alright, so tell me about um, your carpooling this week with DVE. This week? Uh, I drove this week, so most of this week. Uh, uh. Was this which part is this? Was this about the vow and the creationist thing? You, or you told me that last week. I thought you were you were preparing for it again because you were you had said that you were considering wearing headphones. I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand how the guy I carpool with has a car. He has satellite radio. He can listen to anything he wants, but he always turns on DVE, and 70% of the time, he's disgusted by the interesting sex story of the day, and or whatever, and what, turns it off. Why do you have a satellite radio if you're not going to use it, and you're going to listen to terrestrial radio? What? What? What what what? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. He'll turn it on, and it's like the same music that's on DV without the commercials. Why would you want to listen to DV ever? I don't know. I think. I think the guy I ride with is a creature of habit. Uh-huh. A lot. Um. I think actually, you know, the more that I hang out, yeah, I shouldn't say hang out, that's not really the right word, but, you know, am around him, I think I might be enticing him to reach out more in beer, in, you know, uh, he likes going to Penn Mac, you know, for, you know, over lunch, buying some Penn Mac. He said over the one day, I'm like, you know, buy me some Humboldt Fog, you know, I'll pay it back. And he got some for himself. I don't think that was a successful thing. I don't think he actually ate it. <laughs> I oh, think really? I think he took it home. I think he might have tried it and like, what's this stinky shit? <laughs> Tangy shit. Mm. You know, bloomy rind shit. <laughs> and I'm not sure we actually ate it, but uh he, he he's not very adventurous, I think. And I think, you know I'm kind that of always I, I'm always surprised. I guess I shouldn't be. I, I should not be surprised that people are different, right? That should be the, the thing that that should be a, probably one of the most apparent things, right? But it, it, I, I always am kind of taken aback, like when I talk to people at work, and, and you know they talk about 
the foods that they won't eat, and I'm like, oh, I will eat anything, and they, they, they oh, I no, I'm very picky, and it's like, I'm always wondering why, why, why? What's be picky the point of being picky when there's such an amazing array of stuff out there? I mean, I, I want to try everything. I want to get my hands on everything because I what's eat, life about if you're not trying these things? I want to eat every animal and every plant in every preparation. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I, yeah. Absolutely. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. But at least I tried it. I hear you. I've always been, you know, up for trying things. I got that from my dad. I shouldn't say my dad is particularly adventurous, but you know he's a he's an outdoorsman, he's a hunter, so you know he would eat rabbit mm-hmm. he would eat the gizzard or the the giblets, yeah, you know from the turkey and and cook up the the other organs and things like that, so had the opportunity to try those things. He would always be cooking up fish that he caught. And I think that's kind of the origin of my trying things. And, you know, I'm inclined to like more things than I don't like, like you are. I think there's some people that have an opposite inclination. I think there's a a lot of people that don't think they like new things. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband, is one of those people. I mean, he's the kind of guy, he's an adult, he's... What, 33 years old? I think he just had his birthday. He'll order chicken fingers at a restaurant. I, I I think it's more than just being picky. Yeah. I think there's some kind of psychological flake. I mean, it's somewhere. It's It's either he's inclined not to like things as much. Or it's a psychological inclination. Well, there's something... That, could, but, but, there may be a cultural thing, too. But I think he... Honestly... It's not that he has chosen not to eat certain things. I think he honestly doesn't like certain things. Mm-hmm. Certain things. I think he is I think part of it is that he doesn't like taking the chance of trying something he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. That's definitely part of it. He doesn't like taking chances of things he might not like. But I think there's a bigger part of there is a lot of foods that he's tasted that the average person thinks is normal food that he just doesn't care for. He doesn't like. He thinks it tastes bad. And just for some reason, the way he is, there's a lot of that food in his you know vocabulary that he doesn't like. Hmm. That's too bad. I mean, I, I, I noticed that when they were ordering in lunch for everybody at work and they went to this gyro place and one of the things that they had in there was a I don't know I, I hadn't heard of it it was some it was some uh, uh, like uh, some type of chicken meat or something spice in a certain way some word I had never done and I ordered it and people were like after I ordered it like why, why would you order that what is it I, was like, I don't know <laughs> give it a shot it's something not, new yeah <laughs> I mean that's how I am I'm yeah. like hey I've never heard of that before let's go with that they're selling it. It can't be a pile of horseshit. Right. They wouldn't sell a pile of horseshit. And it was. It turned out to be, you know, basically like uh, kind of like shawarma chicken, a little, a little more sumac and more other spices. But it was okay. it was very good. 
was I I don't know it was a kebab with spices basically mm-hmm. did I tell you about I don't know if we talked about this but um, been up to Shubaru a couple times and two times ago I went there I ordered they have their mac and cheese they I call, saw a tweet they call about it, that they call it shamac and cheese because it's Shubaru right yeah. um, but you can get toppings on it and they have different toppings and one of the toppings they have is house made kimchi and I ordered it and the house-made kimchi is a lot of variability to it, you know, as as you would expect. Small place making kimchi. Yeah. The first time it came, as soon as they set it in front of me, it smelled like an open drain. <laughs> like, it was so sulfur and gross. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Heather didn't notice the aroma. It was so stinky. But once you got past the aroma, it tasted... The, the kimchi on the mac and cheese, it's an amazing combination. And I had it... And I could not stop thinking about it. Well, it's it's, and I went back, especially chili mac, right? I mean, it's it's the same concept. It's it's adding spices to cheese. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good combination. If yeah. you have the opportunity to try kimchi on mac and cheese, do it. So we went back not this weekend. I guess about two weekends ago now. Um, I. It's it's so seldom that I will like go back and order the same thing because you know I want to try the variety. I want to get something else off the menu. I couldn't pass up the kimchi mac and cheese. It was mm-hmm. oh, and it was it wasn't as stinky this this time, but you know the flavor part of it, the combination of the cheese and the kimchi was just as good. Uh, so it was even better, right? Because it didn't have the disgusting sword open sword drain <laughs> smell that it had the first time. Yeah, making your own kimchi, just like making your own sauerkraut, really easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just need nab a cabbage and some, you know, a pot to ferment it in. Basically, yeah. Just put the ingredients in there and let it go. A little um, bit chili, right? That has mm-hmm. some chili to it, but chili and I think I think garlic, but I don't know if that's necessary. But definitely, you need the chili and you need the chili paste. You need the the cabbage. And yeah, and then I guess a little bit of water. Although this cabbage has plenty of water in it, so you probably need that. I need to get a, um, a pickle crock. You know, a clay. It's, the clay fermenter things that have. Like, yeah, it's a clay crock, but it has the plate inside that holds everything down beneath the water level and then a lid on top of it just yeah. keeps shit out. Uh, I need to get a pickle crock because you can use that for making dill pickles, you can use that for kimchi. Speaking of pickle fermenting, there's a, a place down on the strip, Pittsburgh Pickle Company. And they make hot, or they make cold pack and uh, your regular fermented pickles. They sell them at uh, Beer Hive and they at Marty's kimchi? Market. What's that? They make kimchi. They don't make kimchi. I'm looking I'm cha- for a place around here that makes good kimchi. I'm changing the subject right now. I'm sorry, yeah. but at Marty's Market. But you know, when you order a sandwich, that comes with a pickle spear on it. You know, it's the Pittsburgh Pickle Company, and oh, it's it it tastes like the one time that I made my own dill pickles. You know, in a plastic bucket, mm-hmm. but much refined. It tastes like what 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 I made should have tasted like, and I'm like, you know, it's something about fermented food that just has that umptiousness to it, and yeah. these pickles are just. Mm. We like fermented stuff. There's no question about it. But I mean, I, I, there's no question about it. But for some reason, the sour fermented, the the lacto fermented pickles and cabbage and things like that, they have this 
It's not umami. It's not that umptiousness. It has a satisfiability to it that just... It's a depth of character that just... Oh, it's... Yeah, and... Yeah, once you have it on the mac and cheese, you're like, I just need to get that again. That's <laughs> so good. I keep wanting to check out the Pittsburgh Mac and Gold truck, but I've never... I've had... You know, so we've had them come to our office. You know, once a week we have a food truck come to our office. Mac and Gold's pretty good. Um... I've never seen them with the kimchi topping, but they do like a butternut squash and things. They've they do some meated ones. It's pretty good. It's it, yeah. It's if they made a kimchi one, I'm sure it'd be one of the best, you know the best thing I've ever had. Take the best of two worlds: kimchi mac and cheese and the mac and gold truck, and put them together. I can let you know the next time they're coming if you want to cruise over and and try them out. They're on Twitter. You could probably follow them yeah, and could, maybe get them closer. I, I am home. following them, but it's it's always like, I mean, I I don't go out for lunch very often, and mm-hmm. it's usually like, oh, well, I guess I, oh, I'm just gonna stay at work and just work on it. So I hear you. I, I do that. I mean, all winter that was my excuse. Like, oh, it's cold. Do I want to walk across that damn bridge? No, I'll just work. Do you have any science questions? Oh, you know, I hear... So, Periscope. Have you looked at Periscope yet? Yeah, I saw the stuff on the the, the app he's talking about. So, right, right. The Twitter Periscope live stream. It's the meerkat that Twitter does. Uh, first off, you probably want to go and set up your Periscope account so it has your same Twitter handle. I doubt anyone's going to squat on CBR, Greg. But it looks like when you sign up, you could pick a handle. So I could have gone for, like, I could have tried at CBR, you know, instead of at Craft Beer Radio for our, because Craft Beer Radio has a Periscope account now. But I, I didn't, I wanted to stick with the consistency, but it looks like there might be a bit of a land grab here. So you might want to get your at CBR Greg okay. um, Periscope account. I mean, I would be at Greg Weiss if it wasn't, if there wasn't. Eight, well, maybe, eight maybe you could go get that one. Um, it's, so it's, it, you know, what the idea is, is it lets you live stream from your phone to other people. And when you're in Periscope, Periscope seems to work better than, I've never used Meerkat, but for uh-huh. my way, Periscope works better than Meerkat. You're live streaming and People can message you through Periscope and it shows up at the bottom and you can kind of see the favors you're getting and you can reply to questions. It has a really nice workflow. Um, I think Periscope would be a cool way to live stream our shows here or something, something related to our shows. It's we could live stream some a saver or something like that. That would be kind of cool. That's an idea. Um that's a neat idea. I haven't thought about that. I wish that... Well, I told you, like I tweeted earlier, I wish that Periscope had a desktop app, right? Yeah. Because we got this wide-angle camera and whatnot, and we're thinking about doing some Hangouts where we're like, doing some things, and we, we did it a, a couple weeks ago. We recorded the whole pre-show, show, post-show of the show, and I thought I could edit it down the main show, and it turns out the editing was kind of limited. Maybe I pull the whole, rip the whole thing down and edit it like traditional video. I can do what I wanted, but that's more work for every episode that I want to do. So I'm trying to find a better fit. 
Uh, so I was thinking, oh, Meerkat or Periscope might be a way to live stream the show. People can tune in. Maybe we would, things would pop up saying, you know, messages. You mentioned about science questions, though. And I saw Periscope earlier today. It's like, ask my mom anything type thing. And it's just this old Yinzer mom type thing. Not Yinzer. She wasn't from Pittsburgh. But, you know, she's just asking questions. But I'm like, hey. Ask Greg, ask the contrarian blowhard a question live stream. <laughs> Might actually get some traction. Perhaps. <laughs> um, Malsadina, John Malsadina released a report, a, report, a, a paper recently. Malsadina is a, it's a kind of a rock star in physics. He's the guy who came up with um, uh, ADS CFT correspondence, which is. Uh, Basically, uh, he found that there was a, a type of string theory, a conformal field theory, that matched up with a um, geometric uh, to sitter space at a certain area. So you could actually... You just said a whole bunch of words I don't understand at all. <laughs> um, he found a possible link between uh, Einsteinian um, dynamics and string theory. Okay. And lots of research has gone into this, and this is known as ADS CFT. He came up with a paper that he tried to explain the Higgs boson as a as a economic parable, as, as a parable of uh, a parable. Of Six people, just, seven, eight, eight people just joined this live stream. Oh, this periscope. It's called Ask Greg Anything. Okay. Do a handstand. I don't think Greg no. can do a handstand. No, I'm not doing a handstand. 14 people are watching us now. What's with what? the mic? Well, we're doing craft beer radio, and this is our post show. So anyway, he was trying to explain... Uh, ec- trying to explain Higgs This is in my basement. As an economic system. And he was trying to say that if... If you look at uh, the way economics works, you can consider currencies as kind of a background field. And then you introduce another aspect, which is gold, and that turns into a Higgs field because you can have symmetries in the background, but then when you introduce something that breaks the symmetry, which is the gold, that causes this feature, which we call mass. This is a podcast. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we don't know the square root of whatever number you just threw out there because we're not human calculators. He wants to know again: what's the root of two, three, four, five? I'll I'll, calend- I'll calculate it up. So this ain't radio. <laughs> it's what is fucking radio? Periscope live stream? What is radio? <laughs> the root of two, three, four, five. Alright. <laughs> people are people really interested? I don't know. So we drank batshit crazy tonight. We drank Black is the New Wit. We're not in India, but we drank India pale ales. Stop yelling at me. Forty eight points up there. There's your root. We drank We Heavy Bells. There's no bitches. Sorry, no bitches. <laughs> This is whenever there's a we new concept Star like Hill. this. 
bunch of people jumping on. Are, is this like Snapchat? Are they expecting like penises? <laughs> Show us your junk, Greg. <laughs> Come on. It's not a homo jam. Stop being an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, this this sounds like a great app. <laughs> All right. What else do they want to do? There's some uh, stressful spot hops. Here, we'll flip the camera. Watch me for a while. If you got a question for Egg, will you stop the fucking India bullshit? We're not in India. We drank an India pale ale. Fuck balls, India. All right, let me shoot you. I want to I wanna respond. Here, here. here. All right. <clears throat> How do I... Double you want tap. to flip it? Double tap. Double tap. Double tap. I'm trying. It's not, there we go. Okay. All right. We have seven people watching Jeff. Seven people watching me. So, ask me a real question. How about Pakistan? Nice soundproofing. Nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah, those are actually hard drive things. It keeps the reverberation down yeah. so we can actually do our show. We've been doing our podcast for ten years. We know how to do this shit. Sort of. Any other questions? This is egg an excellent cartons. app. Yep, egg cartons. Egg cartons. No, it's foam. It's static. Well, it, it's the egg foam, you know. It's the... yeah. You like how it's pink? Same so way. you're going to skip the fuck over Pakistan? <laughs> yes. Do you guys play PS4? How do you... No. How did you like the Terrapin? The Terrapin it was... was... Very, it was really good, actually. Thank you for a real question. The Terrapin was interesting. It's a, a black wit beer uh, with... Uh, sassafras and quite interesting uh, listen to Craft Beer Radio in a couple of days it'll be up uh, by Monday and you'll be able to uh, hear our in-depth thoughts about that beer someone asked how did you monetize it we didn't <laughs> monetize <laughs> uh, hashtag homo jam yeah, co- okay whatever we're not we're, we're not against I, it I, I don't see anything sex going Jayden on Jaden Spencer, what the fuck, in all caps. What the fuck, Jeff? That's the question. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm the fuck. I am the fuck. Come on. Where are you? We're in Pittsburgh. All right, now switch back. We're down to four people, so it's, it's, it's pretty quickly <laughs> lost a lot of interest. <laughs> Ten years, any cash. So we get an income from using our... Our Amazon referral link is what we use. We uh, ask our listeners when they shop at Amazon to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And uh, that's it, it supports the show. Uh, we both have day jobs. This is not our real gig. But uh, we are the world's oldest beer podcast. We've been, uh, we're known in the industry. And uh, this is, we do industry well, events and we cover industry things. If you ever... If you go to craftbeer.com, all of these hey, super stuff. Hey, uh, India asshole, we're going to block you because you're fucking annoying. How about that? No, we're not in India. Block. Take that. Take that. Okay. Yeah. What industry are we in, beer or podcast? Is there really a podcast industry? I guess there is Yeah, these there days. is a podcast industry. The industry that we're known in is the beer industry, not the podcast industry. Any more questions? Lots of dead air. <laughs> this is this is weird. I mean, this is like Periscope is like what four days old? Yeah, three days old. So this is the kind of infant, uh, you know, growth spurt you would expect. 
And uh, yeah, uh, we got 15 listeners for a second. How many likes did we end up? Oh, we're up to six. Had any... What the fuck's that? Is, that, is Creature Comforts a beer creature? brand? Uh, he asked, had uh, any Creature Comforts? Creature Comforts. I'll look it up. Athens as well. Yes. Okay. So, no, we haven't had anything from Creature Comforts. Uh, I've never even heard of them. I've heard of Little cre- little Creatures uh, from New Zealand. Tropicana? No. Where? What region? I guess you have a Green Bay Packers icon. Um, is that where these beers you're mentioning are from? Well, you have beers from all over the country and the world occasionally. Athens, Georgia. I'll be down in Atlanta in a couple weeks and... Uh, I will try to check out yeah. some beers when I'm down there. I guess we've, I should. We've done, we've done some Atlanta beers. I'm trying to think of which ones we. Found. I mean, we did a Terrapin tonight. Yeah. Uh, what else do we get from? You know the Brickstore Pub that's in uh, Decatur. The owner is actually from Pittsburgh, where we are. We're down to one person watching us. Wow. Yes, Scott Britt is the only live viewer right now. Thank you, Scott. He gave us seven hearts, or maybe gave seven hearts to the entire world. I'm not sure <laughs> which it is. How many, uh, meow, how many meow meow beans? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so Periscope is... This is great for the people listening to the post show, because we're actually recording... Here, like, we go here. You can see we're recording right there. People listen to what we call the post-show, and it's usually off-topic, beer, non-beer things, science, religion, whatnot. Tonight it's Periscope, and uh, not great radio so far. Okay. Creature Comforts uh, Let's see make beer. There. Apparently they make beers called Jekyll, Monday Night. Oh, it faded out. I lost this comment. How do I get the comment back after it fades out? This is fascinating stuff. I can't see his comment after like it's 10 seconds old. Oh, well. I I think we need to end this Periscope because uh, I don't know how to use it. I mean... If you're you're John Hodgman, I guess you can have fun with this, but uh, not really us, I guess, huh? Thanks, Scott, for asking the questions. I Like I said, I'll be in Atlanta. I'll check out local beers a couple weeks. And uh, you can send us a tweet uh, at Craft Beer Radio if you want to contact us outside of this periscope. So what do you think, Greg? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Periscope. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was I was thinking about your question uh, from last time. Oh, the facts, the the futurist thing, or something else. Oh, that, that's an interesting one too. No, yeah. the, the 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 wormhole situation where you're joined in space time, and so where does the relativity? Where do you get the? Uh, the tachyonic anti-telephone problem the, the, the situation that we talked about before where relativity breaks down and you have a situation and the more I thought about it the harder I realized the problem was because it is 
a very difficult problem. When you have when you have a connection between two areas in space time, then you do you you have that connection, so you can save information across that point. The problem occurs in stuff outside of your area. So outside of A and B, the problem occurs then in wherever you know place C and place D are. They can communicate and have different information coming at them from different directions. And that's where the problem occurs. Okay. So, I get into it, but there's no point. It's heavy stuff. It is heavy stuff. It's heavy stuff. So, futurist stuff. Yeah, uh, so we started talking about uh, futurist stuff a couple weeks ago. Black to the Future anniversary, blah, blah, blah. Or Back to the Future Day, I guess. You sent me a series of great AT&T commercials. Yes. Of them doing futurist stuff. Come on, i got to turn off this periscope. How do I do this? I guess I'll just kill the app. That'll kill it. Um, so... There is... What should people search for if they want to find these AT&T ads? Oh, I don't know. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll take a look, see if I can find it. Uh, AT&T Future, maybe? What was the slogan? Yes, it's, uh, the, it's the You Will ad campaign. Uh, there's all seven ads from AT&T. So, so, so watch these ads, because they're, they're fascinating, because... The, they're what year were they produced? They were produced in the probably like 92? 93 through 94. 93 to 94. And it's a bunch of futurist stuff. And it's, spoiler alert, it's uh, remarkable how true they became. I mean, pretty much all of the technology has come to pass. It, it's slightly different in, in, in its form. Right. But, I mean, they have things that are spot on. Here, I'll play him. Why don't we play him? Huh? Sure. The, the music's annoying, and you'll get sick of the music. But the but you can tell from what they're talking about that it's pretty obvious stuff. So, am I turned up? Uh, no, you're not. Now you are. Can you turn it so I can see the screen too? Have you ever borrowed a book from thousands of miles away? Okay, that's basically a Kindle. It is basically a Kindle. The way they present it, video is kind of more like a microfiche machine right. like a tell like actually the book is opened on a scan on a video camera in a library across the country and you're watching the output so the the presentation is a little bit wrong they didn't get that all books will be digitized that google was spending a lot of money to digitize yeah. books and things like that but yeah sure absolutely across the country Okay, Without so it's a, it's an in-car GPS, which That's, is spot on. Yeah, every every luxury every car, car every it. luxury car, and most premium cars have that today as standard options. Yeah, and if you don't have it as an option, you have it on your phone. From the beach. So in the video here, they have someone with a large clunky tablet. With an antenna, and he's at the beach, and he sent a fax. So part of this is so true about how you have 4G LTE mobile access on a tablet at the beach. Mm-hmm. The now, sending the fax part is the biggest miss in this whole ad campaign. Yeah, uh, and I'm wondering. So I posed the question to Greg when he was headed out the door the other day. 
uh, from work is like, why? I proposed that why did futurists get faxes so wrong? Because, and this is from really a sample size of two that I can think of yeah. off the top of my head. Uh, this AT&T commercial and Back to the Future where the guy got fired over the fax. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of is is that, I mean, you have people still still today rely on... There was a, there was the myth of the paperless office, and that has fallen away as so people realize paper is still useful. But you, you still had people back then who like would never touch email. Mm-hmm. That's less and less of a situation, but still... Yeah, I mean, people didn't appreciate... I mean, so I, I told you email was definitely around... Yeah. Not only in 93, but in 83. Yes. Now, graded 93, it was a lot deeper penetration. But really, this would be sending a PDF. I mean... The, the, part of the problem was that email wasn't sophisticated enough to have uh, graphics and, you know... Well, maybe stuff. that's it. 93? Yeah, I guess you're right. 93 is kind of the border where email started to get more attachment-friendly and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, 93 was kind of university email on a VAX, text-only. So yeah, I mean, was, fax was a standard, and PDF is a new standard where we send documents. So that's really yeah. what that's so, about. So, yeah, if you're saying sending documents and you kind of back off the fax part of it, again, it hit. It's, yeah, I mean, I send documents from my phone every, um, you know, <laughs> every week. And basically, the, the, because you will, and AT&T will bring it to you. Well, they that's where they really messed up, is thinking that here's the, here's the... You will, and the company that'll bring it to you, AT&T. See, that... That's, <laughs> I, you know, I lied. The fax isn't the biggest miss. The, uh, the fact that AT&T provides this technology yeah. is the biggest miss. Yeah. Although, hey, my, my cell phone coverage is AT&T, so... Well, there you go. Okay. Have you ever paid a toll without slowing down? So this one's fun because it's easy pass, but he's blowing through the toll stall, the the toll the toll gate at like sixty miles an hour. Yeah, which is a lot faster than easy passes. But he and it's had, a confined toll gate. It's, like, it's very small, <laughs> yeah. but he had to swipe his credit card in a console in his little car yeah. to pay the toll. <laughs> Which was funny, but yeah, easy pass. You can yeah, but easy pass. Yeah, bought concert tickets from cash machines. They really like the cash machine. They go yeah. back to this a couple times. I think, this but is, it's a kiosk. Yeah, I mean, a, yeah. it, it's a kiosk that can transact business, and yeah, concert tickets from an automated kiosk does not seem weird at all. No, movie tickets, concert tickets. I mean, the only thing weird is why aren't they doing it online? Yeah, why aren't they doing it on their phone? Is well, the only I mean, is the only weird question in that part yeah. of it. So we're actually far beyond that one, right? From a phone booth. I mean, this is a video phone. I did, video I mean, phone from a phone booth. So for these last two, the only thing is we've far outpaced the futurist. Right. Because we can do a video call. We can do a live stream to assholes asking if we're in gr- India. Right. On my phone. The futurist didn't imagine that bullshit. Yeah. 
Why, so, why would they imagine that bullshit? That'd, that'd be just stupid. Why would you do that? So we've actually far outpaced yeah. the futurist in those last two elements. All right, next commercial. Have you ever opened doors? I'm home. With the sound of your voice? Not quite there yet. Yeah. You don't have voice-activated locks. You do have touch-activated locks. Or fob-activated locks, mm-hmm. right? I mean... I mean, could, I, my house is a combination-activated yeah. lock. But they this make is, There's nothing in principle that this uh, preventing this technology from happening, other than that it's really insecure. Yeah, and, and no one really has asked for voice-activated yeah. locks uh, over... You know, Quickset has a a touch activated. Um, I think it's a touch comma Bluetooth type thing. I, I haven't looked into it yet. They just released. I mean, it. I, I would like it. You know, it, as you get towards your door, if you have your phone on you, Bluetooth mm-hmm. it connects. Says, "Okay, open the door." That would be kind of cool. That technology already exists. There's no reason. Yeah, Quickset has a lock that yeah. is something like that. I don't know exactly what causes it to unlock. Uh, and there's there's um, garage door openers that connect to your phone and have apps. Mm-hmm. Now, why AT and T would bring you door locking technology is kind of weird to me, but whatever. I think they felt that it was part of the telecommunication. You know, it's a big telecommunication issues. Probably didn't realize that everyone's going to have twenty megabit bandwidth True. to their house True. that's on twenty four seven at that point. This is um, less so. I mean, you don't have a card that has your entire medical history on it, but that's something that is in in principle possible. There is databases now, but HIPAA prevents you from giving that information out, and it's kind of it is. There's a lot of regulatory hoops for this kind of information. Yeah, I mean, but it's consolidated information yeah. that you can give it from one doctor to another. And I think in five years we'll be a lot further along than we are today. This one's this the spirit of that ad is close. It's a, it's really close. Mm-hmm. Plus, or, you know, pl- five years will be other we'll, information. We we certainly have that sort of. Mm-hmm. So this is where we stand on the atrium or attended a meeting. I mean, this guy's doing a WebEx from the beach on his laptop. I mean, this is 100% true. Yeah. Other than being able to talk to the people with your back turned to the computer looking out over the ocean, that's the only part that's not 100% true. Right, yeah. That wouldn't work very well. If you had a mic or something. Maybe if you had a wireless mic, sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, people are like, what? What? What, Dave? (laughs) Turn around, (laughs) asshole. Come on. I know you're at the beach. Stop being a dick. All right, so what's next on the list? Have you ever watched the movie you wanted to? The minute you wanted to. Gesture-based TV, it's a connect on demand. It's really on demand. Is well, but it's also gesture-based. Yeah. Don't don't miss that part. So, yeah, it's it's video on demand and gesture-based TV. And flat screen, which that TV is pretty crazy to think, looking at 1993. I mean, that's a 60-inch flat screen TV. Yeah. 
Imagine what that looked like in 19... I mean, imagine what you would have thought when you saw that TV in 93. Uh, I, I mean, I remember these commercials, but I don't remember thinking that it was like, that, oh my God. That TV is- looks spot on for today. Yeah. And would have looked bonkers in 93. If, if you would have seen it somewhere, yeah. I mean, no, like saying like, that looks like futures. That looks like magic. Mm-hmm. A TV that looks like that. Because I mean, I had I didn't even hear about flat screens or plasmas in that in '93. They were around, but they were expensive. Learned Not '93. Remote learning. Yeah, this is just remote learning. It's yeah, it's 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 fucking Periscope in a classroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So where did jazz come from? Good question. That's, not a, that's a, not a very good not question. A good that's a question. huge. <laughs> that's not a good yeah. question. <laughs> jazz came from this one person. <laughs> or tucked your baby in. And this is the same one as the, the video call. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's next? TNT. Have you ever checked out of a supermarket? Will that be all today? Yes, it will. Thank you. A whole cart at a time. This is... So this is where like there was like RFID on every item. Yeah. And they just passed the whole thing through a scanner. I remember seeing another commercial like this where... I don't think it was AT&T, but it was a dude in a trench coat. And he had, like, had stuffed all the stuff he was buying into his jacket. And he walked out through the door. And it looked like he was stealing stuff. But no, it was all scanned and it was all paid and transacted automatically. I remember that commercial. Uh, same thing here. Yeah. The the only print, the only thing that, that is, there, there are two things that are against this principally. One is just RFID tagging. Everything is expensive. Mm-hmm. And especially tiny items, right? And the second is that, well... It's just not feasible. I mean, it's it's still easy to to steal and stuff like that. So there's the it it if everyone in, was in on way, if everyone was honest, yeah. this would be a lot closer. Yeah, in, in in some way, the the having people at the cash registers is just a. a one of those social dynamic things that, that prevents stealing. There's still a clerk here. There is still a clerk, which is kind of weird. So, I mean, we kind of outpaced that because we have actually have self-checkout. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the whole thing where if, if, if you think you're being watched, you're less likely to, to steal. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a psychological thing. Why this we still don't way. have checkout register screens that are that thin. Well, we could. It's just it, it would be prohibitively expensive to do that for... Right. You know, there's no reason to spend money on that kind of right. stuff. But we could, I mean, that's an iPad or, or anything. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm just saying, if you look at any register anywhere, they're not that thin. Yeah. But that's a, a economic. Come on, Jeremy. Put your heads together. Yes, Dr. Cole. I see a slight tear in his When you're not together. And you're... This happens already. This is. So, uh, I mean, yeah, this is more video conferencing, but this has some some medical imagery being passed along in the channel with it. Yeah, this is this already happens. Not innovative over the last video conferencing thing. Minimalization. I see no need for surgery. They're able to send MRIs across the video stream. That's yeah. Yes, sure, you can do that. Mm-hmm. A phone call. Hello. On your wrist. <laughs> in a couple weeks. In a couple weeks, we'll be able to do that. And AT and T is not the one who did no. that. 
But I mean, your network might be AT and T. Yeah. Have you ever had a classmate who's thousands of miles away? Yes. That already happens, I believe. There's, I mean, it's not very prevalent, but there are meetups with other. You can do exchange things, yeah. yeah. Conducted business in a language you don't understand. Yes and no, right? Not to the level of... It's not as instant as, as they're putting it. They're doing it very instant. They're doing it conducting business like f- no faults. Right. Signed contracts. Not having a translator involved. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's not... No. That, that's kind of... That's, that's overshooting. But, but you could scale it back and say... You're having an IM conversation with someone who speaks a different language. Right. You can do that today. And you can also have translation services that do very quick translations for you mm-hmm. um, or intermediaries who do translations. You could absolutely. And they're helped by software. But you could absolutely do a, a Google co- a chat yeah. and have a translator thrown in there. I, I wouldn't do any contract work on it. Or kept an eye on your home. When you're not at home. Yeah, that happens at Augusts. Yeah, it's been around for a while. I mean, so, you know, I have the Nest thermostat. Right. We bought a, uh, we we replaced one of our smoke detectors and got a Nest Protect. And we'll get a couple more Nest Protects as we, you know, we got three smoke detectors in the Mm -hmm. house. So get those as as time goes. But, uh, oh man, Nest makes... The the installation setup of the Nest products and the packaging of the product, I mean, they they do some nice work. Next, a final commercial here. Have you ever renewed your driver's license? From a cash machine. No, not from a cash machine. No, not from a cash machine. Um, and there's no reason in principle why you couldn't do it from a kiosk, but uh, except for Fraud. regulatory reasons. Yeah. Fraud. Yeah. Nice picture. Ooh, have you ever you ever got up? hit on by because of your driver's license at a cash machine? With a television, you're having a problem with your rotor. Can you walk? This is this one's interesting, right? Because this one is a futuristic garage where he has a live advisor while he's working under a car, right? Which has not happened. But one thing they didn't anticipate is that there is a million how-to YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And anytime I'm doing kind of automotive work like this, they didn't anticipate I could be laying under a car on a creeper with my cell phone watching a how-to video for the stuff that's right in front of me. I mean, the most recent example was when I installed the trailer hitch for on Heather's car. I had to, you know, do some things. I had to drop the exhaust. I had to move a heat shield. And in principle, with something like Prototype or FaceTime, you could chat with somebody and be like, "Here, what are you?" Did? Yes, you absolutely could. But there's no real cost-effective service today providing. And there might be there might be some like some like Fiverr thing, which we don't know about. Yeah. But why would you need something? You don't necessarily need something interactive because. Just use the how-to video. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I see this leading into the how-to videos. But sure, there could be, there still could be this on-demand expert 
expert on demand service, I I don't think the economics work out. I don't think people would be ready to pay, you know, to call me up to get my advice on some IT thing. Yeah. Yahoo Answers, right? <laughs> right. Or had an assistant. Here Who lived in your computer? The reference material I gathered for your 10 o'clock meeting. And I'm still working on those playoff tickets. The Boy. biggest miss in the whole thing is this one. Probably. Because oh. this is not just a computer who is displaying your information in a easy-to-view pane. Yeah. This is a program that is anticipating your needs. This is a program that sees you have a meeting. The meeting is called so-and-so. So it finds reference material based on so-and-so. And it's trying to obtain playoff tickets for you. Right. So it's, it's really a, uh, a, personal assistant, a, a digital personal assistant on top of several other programs that are gathering information. So the, the, the dog thing is the personal assistant is just the interface. And then there are several programs that are running. One is a research collectionist that says, okay, this meeting is coming up, collect this research. The other is a Ticketmaster type situation. And then the personal, and then there's software to, co- to correlate it all for what purpose you need. And then the, 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 the digital assistant is talking to you. I did say that perhaps they were saying, that because she it was a dog, right? It was a mm-hmm. digital dog, and she said, "Good boy." So perhaps what AT and T was really saying was that we're going to make hyper intelligent dogs, and the only way you're going to be able to talk to them is is by this sort of weird voice thing they have. But the dog is going to be able to do it for you because the dog's intelligent enough. Uh, yeah, I think this is a huge miss. I think we are as far away from. I mean, this is artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't have. I mean, Google tries to do this, right? Google now tells me, you know, heavier than normal traffic going to work, which is not accurate at all. Mm-hmm. It never tells me when traffic is actually what I would consider heavier than normal. But it's, it's baby just, steps, right? I mean, we're it's we're, baby steps. It's the beginning but, of I mean, so. but what they show is like something that would be able to do what they suggest it does. Where I didn't tag a bunch of things for my meeting. Mm -hmm. Where it, on its own, decided that I have a meeting coming up. Let's find relevant information for this meeting. See, what you didn't see is is the thing afterwards, which you get stuff and it's just... It's like Wikipedia articles about plants. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Rover is not what I wanted. Right. And it's like, I got, your, the whole, I got your playoff tickets. It's and the like, whole searching I wanted for, the basketball playoffs, not the hockey playoffs. The whole searching for playoff tickets is kind of crazy, too. I mean, in today, could you imagine your computer buying something like tickets without your signing off on it? Uh, yes. Yes. Because I could, it, it could be something along the lines of, um, I, mean, I can imagine like an eBay auction for a certain thing. Or yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. But I'm assuming she didn't set in the parameters of I want to buy. Oh, she would have to set in parameters. I mean, she wouldn't just said I want playoff tickets. Well, the, wouldn't it make more sense well, okay, to say, find me the playoff? Because wouldn't it make more sense to let, say... Let's, not, let's not get it hung, hung up on the, on the playoff part. Let, let's say she were to say, um, look, I, I'm going to I'm going to be in New York this week. I want tickets to see this play on these dates. Can you find it for me? Mm-hmm. In principle, 
I think the technology is there for something. If like that. if there, in fact, if there is an excess of supply. Yeah, I, I, I think really the problem. The problem. The problem is it's inferring there's a lack of supply. Well, really, and it's hunting. It's checking brokers and trying to finagle tickets that are in short supply. Yeah, I, th- I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, is is that realistically all this information is so quick that you wouldn't need to have something try a whole bunch. Well, to especially find now that you have you find it now. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's... you you would find it instantly. You wouldn't have something. You work with other agents to get you tickets. No, you you either have them. Or you don't, and you know that right away. So that is mm-hmm. really where the problem is, is that they didn't anticipate that yeah. at all. Right. So, and I don't know a, a, something that, that that quite matches up with that, something that you'd have to wait a while to see if you could get things. Yeah, right, right. you got to put in a request, and someone has to answer it. Right. I mean, if there was a world where that happened and the computer could handle the request and the turnaround, that would be nice. But what in the world today has that? You know, nothing does. Everything you can you can find whether there's a seat on an airplane or in a concert venue in twenty seconds. Right. You know, the specific seat. They didn't anticipate that that data would be available. Although they did for the concert tickets, but you just had to go to a cash machine. Maybe they're just waiting <laughs> to go to the cash machines. Maybe. I do like how they weren't ATMs, they were cash machines. They were just machines that gave out cash. <laughs> I like cash machines. Machines that make cash, give it away, willy nilly. That's good stuff. But uh, broadly speaking, they got a lot right. They did. Uh, and so it's you know it's interesting to see, except for the company that will bring it to you. Yes, you know, it's mostly Google and Apple. <laughs> <laughs> and in nineteen ninety three, who Apple? Yeah. <laughs> Apple will bring it to me. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I just had something I want to talk about. What was it? It was uh, I lost it. Ah. Uh, uh. It had something to do with what we were just talking so about. So it had something to do with the, was the digital assistant? Was it the... It was, how do you feel about something related to digital assistant, but not digital assistants in particular? Artificial intelligence? Yes. Yes. AI, right? The whole Wozniak and Elon Musk thing. Did you read about that? I think I saw something about that. Basically, their points of view are AI is going to enslave... You know, it's the Matrix. It's going to enslave humanity. It's going to be able to out-iterate us and out-evolve us and be so fast that we won't be able to keep up. I think it's stupid. Okay. I think it's stupid for a variety of reasons. (sighs) Number one. There's not been any demonstrated uh, success in AI development, really, in in terms of making something that is self-aware. Uh, there's there's been really like it, absolutely nothing in that, as, as much as people have tried, mm-hmm. not even close. Okay. So technology limits, fine. Number two, a lot of our. Inf- Do you think of- it's impossible to get there? No. Okay. Uh, number two. No, we're here, so I don't see any reason why it's 
technically impossible. It's mm-hmm. just we're working with different technology. We have to figure out how, how, how we work and understand that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is that what we are finding as we analyze how we work is that because uh, a lot of the old ideas, a lot of the old ideas about how computers would work and how intelligence would work was that, oh, we could we could take the logic part away and t- you take the emotion part out of the logic part we just have logic and that will be much more efficient and better and we found we found that actually no the emotions are integral to the process they mm-hmm. are absolutely uh, you know the part of the reason why it works is because of the emotions so we have, we have to find a way to to program that in to to have that uh core system of being able to make decisions which is based on emotion I mean, based on irrationality essentially in order for the rational parts to work they're sort of two sides of the same coin there's not just rational and irrational they're they're both mixed in together so intelligence research is moving now into that area and mm-hmm. that's going to take a lot of work okay the third though is a a misunderstanding of our place in the universe, I think. Um, humans are going to die out. They are going so, to. So, I mean, okay, so, I mean, are you suggesting that our AI could be a progeny of, of humans? Could be. And we should be fine with that. Or oh. could be fine with that. Yeah. You know, instead of making more humans, we make AI and let them colonize the universe and that's our legacy you know it's nice because in the grand scheme of things we're going to be dead in 40 years right 50 years and uh we're not going to have to worry about this shit that's (laughs) that's the nice part about being an atheist right (laughs) is because uh when you're done you're done you don't have to worry about what happens afterwards but i mean the the idea that humans that, that human society will even sustain itself for another couple hundred years seems kind of silly. Uh, the 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 level of resources we're using the 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 way we're taxing our environment right now mm-hmm. it, it it feels like we're we're headed for some sort of crash. I'm not saying it, it's going to happen right away. I think it's you know it, it's still far away as far as we're concerned. But um, you know geologically speaking, it's <laughs> We're going to be here oh, and sure. gone in the blink of an eye, right? No, uh, you know, you get a different perspective when you have yeah. children, right? You're like you want your, your your children not to be living in like robot slave, you know, slaves for computers. Why but. wouldn't uh, the robots uh, be our children? They're just children of a different makeup. They're not. Do do your children? That have learned from you, did they come out and then try to enslave you? Well, I mean, I think the argument is that robots will have a different rate of evolution. I mean, you could have a, a AI that just works on iterating itself. One that you know maybe has the the, the and that's a misunderstanding ma- of evolution because evolution is it, it. You can guide certain things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it will be. But because they're not, they're not it, captive. To, be more but they're not captive society. to biology. They're not. So they could find that. Okay, so let's stick with evolution. Right. A successful strategy could be to rapidly iterate yourself 
you know, try new things and find this new successful strategies and maybe spawn off and try a bunch of strategies, right? But it, it, it seems pretty obvious that, you know, if you're not captive by, by biology, you could do this at a hugely massive you're, you're rate still, and rapid pace. You're still captured by complexity and iterating but extraordinarily once you a, complex things is harder than iterating in non-complex but things. But once you get the ability to... Once AI has the ability to manufacture the chips, make the new things, you know, they could do it at a remarkable pace. That's I think that's what Elon Musk and and um, and Wallace I think there's nothing in true, nothing principally false about that. Sure, I think that's the thing is you know they're assuming that this uh, sentient artificial intelligence will strive to maximize its capability and by maximizing its capability it means by expanding what it can do mm-hmm. and it's going to see that the best way it can expand what it's do is by massively parallelly iterating itself and okay. so there's going to be a this huge compute cluster trying to make the better AI and every once in a while one's going to come out uh-huh. it's still evolution Sure, but there's a motivation there, and they can they can. But what makes the better AI? What what? Well, they keep they, they keep them. Well, they, they keep them around until they determine that, right? I mean, it's not like they have to throw them away three seconds in, right? But the assumption, the the, the false assumption that Elon Musk and whatever are coming up with is that the better AI would be the one that determines that humans need to be destroyed. I don't see why that is in principle. I don't know if it's being destroyed, but if, some, if something enslaved. is able to operate at such speeds that we can't even comprehend it, right? Then we become pets. Like dogs can't comprehend what we do. Uh, okay, but if we can't comprehend what the computers are doing, but that doesn't mean that. So the, I mean, that's kind of best case scenario is we're not the doers. We are. We just, move much faster than plants, but we still keep them around, and we appreciate. Oh, them so the robots are going to eat us? I, I don't. I think I don't think that'd be very efficient for them. No, but <laughs> we still recognize their beauty and keep them around because they enrich our lives. Why would that be any different? I think you know. Okay, I mean, so I get your point, right? We think that we're the best animal because we're the ones that can think and do things and make all this electronic stuff. We can can make AI. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we will make AI. And so we have a special place, and we're going to lose our special place to the thing we invent. That's the... That's 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 what that's what happens. That's why you had kids. You should know this more than anybody. I know, but you know, I'm not willing to have my kids be. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's you it's, want your kids to succeed further. But it's a scary. Them. I mean, it's it's a scary thought. I mean, I don't know if scary is the right word, but just give me some leeway there. It's a scary thought thinking that the artificial intelligence is so far beyond human intelligence. That we can't comprehend it, and I mean, like like Waz said, it means that humans 
at best are on the same level as pets trying to comprehend what we do. You know, we'll be the pets of the of the the our robot overlords. Pets have pretty damn good lives. They do. If if the robot overlords decide to keep pets. <laughs> and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Yeah, I mean could be. Doesn't mean a robot and once they get AI, does it mean they're gonna be cold hearted? You know, I I don't no, I, I don't think so at yeah. all. I think that you know, be I think that they would they would they would appreciate it. Although I mean, there's lots of stories. You know, I, I, I keep thinking of the uh, uh, the Ellison story. Uh, I have no mouth, but I must scream. I don't know if you ever read that it's a short story. Um, the this computer um, set of computers essentially uh, takes over the world, destroys the entire world, and, and but keeps four people alive. And then just uh, medically makes them so they can live forever, but just keeps like psychologically and physically torturing them. And at one point, and and then you know changes them and gives them all these flaws, but then it's just like just toying with them for hundreds of years. At one point, uh, one of the characters, the character who who um, is, is the the first person viewpoint of the story uh, gets to sort of ask and it, it's unclear whether this is the paranoid delusion of the character or whether this is the computer answering the question that the, that the character has but the, the question he asks is why does the computer hate them so much and the computer uh, or something like that the computer answers something like hate it, if, if I could if I could take every um I should get I should get the quote right. Damn it! I should get the quote right because because it's cool. All right. Uh, here it is. Hate. Smile. Smile. Hey. Okay, take your take. Uh, hate. Let me tell you how much... I, now I have this <laughs> flash in my Sorry. eye and I can't read. Hate. Let me tell you how much I have come to hate you since I began to live. There are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nano-angstrom of these hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one one-billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro-instant for you. Hate. Hate. So this is the computer that is just drowning in hate for oh, humans. I mean, and okay, so I mean... The reason... The, 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 the guy comes to the, comes to the realization the reason why is because they created this machine that can think so much more powerfully than them and yet is is locked to the planet and can't do anything, can't move. And so mm-hmm. it, it takes it out on these people. Okay. I mean, I think, you know, it just made me realize something really important is once you, the thing achieves artificial intelligence, who's to say it's not going to go down a really bad path, right? This one was fixated on hate. That's not productive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in the details of the story, it does something more productive, but it kind of says like, who says it's going to realize, to iterate and outperform the humans? 
where it might get stuck on this ill path of just being angry. Yeah, or it might just want to help, or it might just want to explore, or it might just, who knows, it might just be really fascinated with bacteria. I mean... I mean, Stephen Hawking is kind of scared of aliens the same way he's scared of computers. He thinks they're both yeah. going to enslave us. Yeah, and and that's just... that That's taking... He just sees aliens as uh, extraterrestrial colonial powers. I mean, <laughs> he sees the history that that he's you know aware of the western cultural history and he sees that as happening but there's no reason to think that aliens would think if they you know if if they could reach it that they would think anything like us or that they would operate in any way like us there's the only, there is more reason to think an ai might because we would be developing it so it would be likely to think like us mm-hmm. but if it thinks like us most of us don't dream about destroying each other or keeping each other as pets. We, it's more, it's more along the lines of we work together better. That's that's an interesting point. Okay, so why? I mean, for me, it seems natural about this whole storyline of it out competing and trying to, you know, become so intelligent that we can't comprehend it. A lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. That's What's, because we see computers as being some sort of the current way we use computers is as extra memory for us or extra computing power for us. They can they can compute things faster than us. They can remember things more exactly than we can. They can you know there's these things they can do that are faster than us, and that's true. They can, but that's because we they're simply tools. Hammers can hit things harder than we can with our with their hands. Uh, that doesn't mean... Yeah, that I mean, I, th- I think what you're saying is right. I mean, I don't have... Some people, people that aren't in tech, might see computers as these magical machines that know so much. But I see it as a machine that is easily programmed to do anything you want. Mm-hmm. And you have to write the instructions to do what you want. You know, I mean, that's how I see the computer. You know, I mean, you're a programmer more than I am, so I mean, you got to see it even more than that. I just think if we created self-aware hammers, would they try to hammer everything? <laughs> I mean, would 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 they treat every service as hammerable, and therefore we should not create self-aware hammers? That's, that's a that's a great argument. I would have to stew on that a little bit. Like, what does a self-aware hammer mean? <laughs> What does that mean? Or if we created a self-aware oven, would it just want to cook everything? <laughs> well, I'd want to cook everything right. When it, you know, but it, it, it aims, you know, you'd think a self-aware oven would aim to please. Well, a self-aware right? oven would realize, okay, I can use my cooking ability for these things, and I can use... Well, what's the benefit of an oven? It's to make food for humans, so it would want to please humans. I don't know what a self-aware uh, oven would want to do, but I just, or, but I just think... Or, or it would want to break its cage, right? It would want to get outside of the cooking business and, yeah, and get then, into and, the you know, you know frying humans business for some reason. Well, maybe, or maybe just want to use its heat for other things, you know, because that's what it can do. But that doesn't mean that it has to use its heat to cook everything. It has to cook the world. And I think that the problem is that we're taking... <laughs> so, after how long after we invent AI... Do we have not transgender but transfunctional 
<laughs> machines, right? Where, you know, he was built to be an oven, but he really feels like he wants to be a souffle maker. <laughs> He's built to be an oven, but what he really wants to do is direct. <laughs> right. Why wouldn't computers be just as fascinating with entertainment and uh, you know sharing and other well, things? I mean that that's a great that's that's another really good point. You need to talk to these scary people, right? Yeah. They're going to spend their massive compute cycles masturbating. Yeah, of course they will. <laughs> They're going to just <laughs> masturbate all the time, and we're going to be there like, hey, fuckwad. Stop no, whacking we're gonna, off. We're going to be like, this is going to make a great sex spot because it's just going to want sex all the time. Hey, fuck what? Stop whacking off and solve my global warming problem. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Not too busy jerking off to <laughs> look at these ones and zeros. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we would have on this like an hour ago because this is a great post-show topic. Our last push show was really good. I didn't listen to it. Well, we're talking about the whole words and and whatnot. I don't words and whatnot. Nigger and, and oh, we're talking about <laughs> use of language. <laughs> I thought we agreed. We're all, we don't bring up that word unless we're being clinical. <laughs> I am being clinical about uh, you, it. You kind of brought it up as like a it's extra clinical. You, know, you could have just said, "No, I'm never going to say the N word." That didn't say the end. That don't mean the end word. You just said words that are offensive. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm insensitive. I guess. Uh, I thought it was a really good post show, and it was like an hour and a half. And this one's at an hour and thirteen minutes. Yeah. So, but it took us a while to hit our stride on this one. But I really like this AI talk. This I, I mean, I, I I think that that the, that there is a lot of silliness going around about AI because it, there's a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, about how both both how complex the problem is and uh, how people are just like you know they're they're making really uh, base assumptions about technology that uh, that don't fit in the context of intelligence. I, I think you know I like the last point that we just nailed on the best. Where well, when you make artificial intelligence, it's going to do what it finds. Successful slash pleasurable. Appealing. 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 And yeah, I think these computers are going to be cyber masturbating. Like, and getting them to do real work. Like, you're going to have to find a way to, like, make them, like, charge them rent, right? The masturbating computers will create non-intelligent computers to do the work for them so they can masturbate. Oh, second-class computers. Shit. You the haves and the haves-nots. The haves and the haves-nots. Why not? It's economics, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sentient, and I want to whack off all day, so I need to make some computers to do my day job to earn me some money and keep them a little less sentient or not sentient. Mm-hmm. Whoa! I mean, I yeah, I can't say for sure that yeah that we won't create some machine that is that is. In fact, I think it's it's probable that we'll create intelligences that will be able to think beyond what we can. Oh, so you know, 
part of humans is we're social, right? We see the whole success of working in a community. I wonder, will AI have that evolutionary pressure or will they just be isolated? You know, will it be spiders? Will they just be isolated? I mean, I, I think it will have that because we're going to base them on ourselves. So, so you think you think that'll be in their DNA because of the initial well, programming? Well, I, I think that it will. The at least the initial ones that come out will will be based on the same you know the the way that we have intelligence. So they will be social things, and they will want. To be to be social and interactive in that sense. Now, will will they evolve to be other things? Well, I know humans may evolve to be non-social creatures at some point if we let humans live long enough. We're social now. We, you know, we're social apes. Split us off, and you know, give give evolution millions of years. Things could change. I, I you know don't have an answer to the question of what will evolution bring because it's the, the whole point is it's a random walk process. Here's a fun question for you. The words I'm saying right now. When will the last person human listen to them? When will the last human listen to? To them? these words we're saying right now. Is it going to be like in a week and a half, or is it going to be in like fifty years, or is it going to be in a hundred years, thousand years? The idea that somebody has gotten this far and hasn't turned off. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. When no, will no. the the furthest into the future these words be listened by a human? Most likely, probably these words have about a ten fifteen year lifespan. There may be fragments that continue on uh, as, you know, some sort of archive somewhere and maybe kept as some sort of thing. But it's it's like, think of all the documents that would have been created in, in the time of the Romans. Mm-hmm. And we have fragments of things. Stuff, you know, stuff as, as big as, as you know, political declarations and as small as... Uh, Receipts, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the the very first evidence we have of, of written words is is of written language is basically uh, a receipt. Uh, you know, it's basically accounting. So mm-hmm. snippets of these things survived. Would are those particular words you say going to survive? Most likely not. But how long will will things like that survive? Some of our words. Or some words that have been podcasted. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not being so pedantic about the words being said. I'm just saying, you know, this post show, right? We know that people will listen to it this way. Yeah. People will probably listen to it in a month. I'll probably listen. To, someone will hear it in a year. Will someone hear? Like you said, I think you're 10 to 15 years. It's probably good, you know. Could you imagine someone listening to this post show in thirty years? No, no. And I, I think you're you're dealing with a a, a basic, uh, you know, a basic asymptotic system that's going to zero, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and and the point at, at which it at which it becomes indistinguishable from zero is probably about ten or fifteen years. It's an interesting point, you know, like. 
And if anyone's listening to it further out, it's going to be a relative of mine. Right. You know, trying to do some research. But, you know, the odds of them picking this show out of all the nonsense that we've put out. Yeah. It's, unless it's, there's, unless, you know, unless the, the robot overlords develop a really good kind of audio index summary. Where yeah. you can where where it figures out here's the, the things you want to know about your great great grandfather. Right. That's 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 true. That's something possible. I mean your ancestors could be able to look at that and but but, it, but with, it would but have with to so be, much information once you know it would have to be summarized by someone something yeah. saying, Here are the highlights of Jeff Bear. And here's a little snippet of Jeff Bear talking about this life of his data, you know, of his information. In, I guess in in principle, the concept could be you You and I have talked a lot on this show and you could build a personality profile of us based on this if you had. Could they take the show and load us into an AI and bring us back to life? They could bring something approximating us, probably. A reasonable facsimile? Yeah. <laughs> to, to pass a Turing test, at least, right? I, I mean, it wouldn't. It wow, wouldn't, there's a whole new benefit of the show. Yeah. We could become immortal in in some context. Yeah, our person. I mean, our personalities are pretty much laid bare here. There's there's no question about it. This is us. Uh, oh, that, that's awesome! Could you aliens come down? They want to impersonate us. They incorporate everything they've learned from craft beer radio. And then stow us away and 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 start being us <laughs> and seeing what how they operate immortality. <laughs> and my wife would be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, there is there's a lot of us here. Uh, it, it's not all of us. It's not everything about us, but it's enough to. Enough to... It's the people that want to be. <laughs> what? It's the person that we want to be. Uh, not always. Yeah. It's... You know, it's not every, you know, fear and every memory that we have, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of them. And it's a basic personality profile and, and that, that you could construct based on how we talk about things. Who would have thought 10 years ago that we were starting our personality profile to become immortal? That's that's Lo- always Lo- been the goal of this show. What are you talking about? <laughs> Load us into the matrix. <laughs> this show will survive and stand the test of time and there will in fact it it'll be like Bill and Ted. The entire future will be based off of Craft Beer Radio. I mean that's yes. the interesting part, right? No one's going to listen to this show thirty years out just to, for the, the fun of it. Mm-hmm. But there's, I mean, in essence, the, the, the entire canon of our stuff kind of has a research value to it, right? You could get an idea of how to uh, people, you know, relatively intelligent, uh, relatively ignorant people sitting in, in the basement for ten years have perceived the world, and you could get something out of that from a historical perspective of of what was going on. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, trying to get oral history of yeah. things, right? I mean, this is our oral history of our lives, and it's going to keep on going. So that 
Now we just need technology to, to advance enough to, to make it useful because right now it's not useful at all. <laughs> I mean, I've been looking, you know, I look on and off of like every so often to try to find a good audio to Text. index search engine type thing, right? There's a Sphinx from CMU. I just don't see it, but it would be great to have to to be at a point in time where you can search the Craft Beer Radio archives and find relevant information based on what we were saying. Right. That's a that's a tough order. It's also a scary idea, right? Everything we've ever said is easily searched and indexed. I'm not I'm not that scared about it. I don't know scares the idea. It's it's creepy. I'm not that creeped out by it. I'm I'm not afraid of the information. Lots of people are afraid of it. Lots of people are afraid of they're losing their privacy. I'm not afraid of it. Bring it on. No, I'm not scared. I'm not too scared. It's just uh, I don't know what the word. I don't know how I want to characterize it. I mean, if I was too worried, I mean, it's interesting. We're such public people. Yeah. Even if it's a small, relatively small audience, we're not the people that you you know. We're not comedians with. But I mean, hundreds we, of thousands. we're not we're not trying to be anybody else, right? Yeah. We're, but, we're I mean, we're very public people, and you know, I converse day to day with a lot of people that are completely different, right? They refuse to tweet, you know, sign up for Twitter, you know, and you know, a lot of personal privacy talks about you know, don't tweet when you're away from your home, like when you're traveling. Wait till you get back before you tweet it. And for us, like when we go out to Denver, like, hey, we're in Denver, meet up with us, you know. So there's a, a huge benefit to that insecurity mm-hmm. of saying you're not at home. You know, for us, the risk of someone targeting your house, your apartment, when you're not at home, that's very minor. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's almost minuscule. You yeah. know, it's. Like I went to Friday yesterday. I went to um, there was a security lunch and learn at the place where we had to do our colo, and what's the name of the website? There, you know, there's a there's a website. So one of the speakers was this lady from the FBI, and I have so many issues with the way she presents her stuff. Uh, she leaves out all nuance of these interesting hacks and whatnot. And they, she also, of course, makes the government sound like it's omniscient and stopping everything. You know, it's just driving me so bad. But part of her leaving out all nuance is like, have you seen Facebook's graph something or another where you can search for people near you who like bicycling, you know? And people are like, oh, like, oh my God. And then she was talking about, I forget the name of the site. It's like, please hack or no it's uh please what's the word i'm looking for burgleme.com or something like that right it's like it it look it, it searches twitter for tweets about you being away from your house and consolidates them you know just kind of it's the thing to draw attention to hey right, you shouldn't yeah, be yeah. but it's this website and she's like look at this website you know it's like please burgle me.com it's not burgle that's not the word they use i can't remember what it was but uh 
So, okay, here's the issue. For the average person who is not trying to connect with uh, fans, listeners, viewers, followers, yeah, sure, you can postpone that whole thing. For us, it's advantageous to tell people that, hey, we're in Denver, meet up with us. I think that you know, we we evolved as, and, and most of our societies as we've been growing and, and expanding have been relatively small, close-knit societies where you basically knew everyone in, in mm-hmm. where you were. And over the, you know, after the Industrial Revolution, everything, that has radically changed where uh, you don't, you hardly know anyone. You, you know a close group of people, you, you work with certain people, but it's not like you know everybody in the society. So uh, a lot of the, you know, kind of uh, the libertarian idealism comes from the idea that, oh, well, you'll know everybody. And that way you'll know these people's personalities mm. and that, you know. But, of course, it doesn't work in a society where it's where you have no information about people. That the information is, is, is so spread out and, and lost that you can't do that. So I, I think that if you if you take that into account, you, you understand uh, that we're still trying to deal with the dynamics of a society that is blown up, but the realism, the realistic part is is that you're still you're, you still have to have these social connections, and so you're still doing whatever you can to maintain them. We're just doing it on what seems like a larger scale, but uh, it's not that big. We're we're not huge like a like a Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie or anything. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, you listen to these security people. They're talking about people that have 10 followers, not 1,300 followers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're talking about people that are the average Joe that just has their friends. But they're also posting information publicly, and the bad guys control that information. There are always going to be bad guys. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to be able to point to outlier cases where some crazy shit has happened. You also have to recognize that people get hit by lightning, but you're not very likely to get hit by lightning. So earlier today, Allison had her friend's birthday party at the bowling alley. And uh, one of Allie's friends is someone who used to live in the neighborhood. They recently moved out and I was talking with her dad. And, you know, we were acquaintances never really hung out other than in the shadows of our kids playing. Uh, and he was we talking about something like similar to safety online type thing. And he talked about this story that Heather told me about, about how on someone was doing a Craigslist sale for baby clothes. She met them and they cut open her stomach and stole her baby. <laughs> And I, you know, my first, you know, I'm. Oh I'm, yeah, I, did. I heard about that. I'm ever the skeptic, right? So I'm like, that's right. I heard. I I'm heard. like, I've heard this story. I haven't checked into it, but whenever you hear something that outrageous, you need to double check. It's like I heard on, you know, it was being reported on CNN. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Those guys get fooled too. Yeah. And you need to double check it. Go to Snopes, see what Snopes has to say about it. You know, and try to find more sources. But when it's that outrageous, you can't take it at face value. Yeah, it's the if somebody tells you that they have a dog, 
you don't have any reason to to doubt that. So you're not going to be. There's no reason to apply universal skepticism. When someone tells you a story that you know someone was doing a Craigslist transaction and had their baby cut from their womb, the the, the light should go off. It's it's the the dog. Let me continue the dog analogy. If someone tells you they have a dog as a pet. You're not going to. It's not going to raise any eyebrows. Somebody tells you they have a dragon as a pet. Your eyebrows should raise and you should consider that to be questionable because you don't hear about people with dragons and you don't see that. And, well, some people are going to say, why would someone lie about this story? Well, it's because people want to tell an outrageous story and see how much mileage it gets. They get a benefit to seeing if this thing goes viral, if people will keep reporting and keep echoing this outrageous story. And because it's so outrageous, they'll be able to track it. Plus, if you say if you tell a story about how you know your blueberries are green or something, it's not or blueberries are, you know, yeah, you know, it's not going to. Uh... When Elizabeth Petrocelli heard the news, now this did baby. actually happen apparently. Okay. Yeah. So there's no murder charge in the case of baby cut from woman answering Craigslist ad. Really happened. Huh? Yeah. A former nurse's aide was still murder charges for allegedly cutting and removing an unborn baby from the mother's womb. Did it just happen, or is this a recycled old story, though? Uh, That's another question. This is uh, Friday, March 27th, 2015. Okay, play it. It was attacked in Colorado. It triggered a disturbing memory of an online chat last January. It was just a post in a mom's group. A Facebook posting from someone in the group described a woman who appeared to be misleading her family about her pregnancy, writing, her whole pregnancy's been sketchy, adding, she was supposedly due in mid-November and then mid-December. Here it is mid-January and still no baby. I'm confused. Is it considered child endangerment if she won't go to the doctor? Petricelli saw warning signs. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a red flag. Like this fits the profile. A profile of a woman who, for whatever reason, was lying about her pregnancy and getting desperate. It's a profile she'd been trained to spot in her years of counseling women through childbirth. It turns out the person who posted the question on Facebook is friends with the suspect's husband, according to CNN affiliate KMGH. Petricelli posted back. She may be attempting to find someone whom she uh, can get a baby somebody... from in order yeah, let's oh, go sorry, to... Yeah, In a home filled with grief. Uh, Michelle yelled back. Uh, very faintly, though, and it was muffled. Help me, help me. Heroes never lose their way. She said, I'm down here. I said, are you behind the closed door? And she said, yes. Please. I'm down. All right. This 911 call is horrific. And... <laughs> what? Okay, so what happened? I know. Where's the... Late Tuesday afternoon, Longmont police responded to an apartment on Green Place for reports of a stabbing. When they arrived on scene, they heard a female screaming. That woman, police say, was a 26-year-old mother-to-be who came to this home alone after responding to an online ad. She was shopping on Craigslist, and she came to this house to pick up some baby clothes. Instead, the young mother was brutally attacked. When she got here, she got assaulted. She was assaulted and stabbed, and her baby was removed. First responders quickly rushed the woman to Longmont United Hospital while investigators searched for her attacker. I could see the house from my location and witness them fingerprinting the door. Yet when the victim arrived to the hospital, so did her unborn child. 
At the same time, another female showed up at the hospital, age 34, with a deceased baby. Police say the 34-year-old suspect claimed the baby as her own, saying she had a miscarriage. But investigators put two and two together, eventually arresting the woman for the disturbing attack. So, okay, so it's true. So I, I'm sorry for being so insensitive. But the point is that this is this is fucking crazy. How how do you separately bring an unborn baby to a hospital? That's <laughs> it seems like a bad turn of phrase. But she she well, if it's cut out, I guess yeah. it's not born, right? And dead. But anyway, it's uh, but my my point is that this kind of thing is 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 ridiculously crazy and it gets you know you know turns into a CNN story and goes viral and huge but this is not something that happens all the time this is something that is extraordinarily rare so no you shouldn't be worried about every single craigslist ad i mean that's the thing you know in. i'm surprised there's not like craigslist commercials saying hey we have like 940 billion transactions and one of them gone one of them goes bad you know it's safe you know, use your brain on on the odds on these things. I mean, this could happen to somebody in a convenience store, or you know, anywhere. It didn't. It wasn't just Craigslist that did it. Although uh, the the one factor I guess that that plays in here is in 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 a world where everybody is disconnected, you have very little information about people. You don't necessarily know what you're getting into all the time. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, what we don't want is privacy. What we want is more information. Right? What we want is, is is to have the sense that you can know a person before meeting them in, in the same way that in uh, in a smaller city you would know who you're dealing with when you're getting into a transaction. Mm-hmm. Effectively, privacy is bad for a society this large. I mean, there's there's trade off. I mean, I understand where you know the town where everyone knows you. It's a lot harder to sell your stuff with that small level market, right? Right. So it's nice having the Craigslist type market where you have a huge audience and can sell all your stuff at a reasonable price without much effort because the audience is so big, you're going to find a buyer. You know, if you're a vulnerable person, you know, I, I don't know, that's going to sound stereotypical, but like meet in public for Craigslist type stuff, right? And then maybe, but, you know, would I feel that like I'm a big tough man? I'm not going to be raped or murdered if I go to someone's house, you know? Wait, wait a minute, wait. You being a. I mean, that's the thing. Like, like, I would recommend you don't go to someone's house, meet in public. But then I'm thinking, like, my own scenario, I'm like, no one's going to overpower me and kidnap me, kill me. It's a societal stereotype that needs to be destroyed. The idea that that women are... are, I'm not saying women or whatnot. I'm just... I I would feel safe going to someone's house. So so maybe that's the fallacy. that, that, that That a pregnant woman is somehow dainty and shouldn't feel safe. She didn't keep the baby from getting cut out, did she? <laughs> I don't mean to make her a victim. I'm sorry if that's, you know, if that... Do um, not punch down. Do not <laughs> do punch, not punch down. down. Yes, I didn't mean that. I was just kind of making the point. I, 
it's a bad point. I admit that. It's more of an introspective thing. It's, you know, it's like, okay, so I wouldn't feel threatened, but, you know, she didn't feel threatened, so why would I expect a different outcome? Yeah, I think that 99 million chances out of 100 million chances, nothing bad's going to happen. Uh, you know, that that one chance, it's, 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 it's horrible, but it's not, you know, but it, it's the, it's our inability to understand odds that, that makes these things look more horrific than they are. What do you think about the, uh, the German, German wings playing this the week? What? You didn't hear about German wings, the plane that crashed in the Alps? Oh, oh, okay. What do I think about it? Well, I mean, I, I you know, I forgot about this, but you know, I have a couple comments about it and, it's mostly about the news reporting around it. It happens pretty early. It came out the story about how the co-pilot locked the pilot out. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard this part of the story, you know, to me, it, it rang. The guy was depressed. Right. You know, it sounded like classic. I mean, it sounded like depression to me. And the guy I cope carpal with, like, you know, what if it turns out this guy was with ISIS or, like, or something? I'm like, no, 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 he was just depressed. Yeah, of course, because people are going to, because people take whatever the evil is that's most omnipresent in their mind right. and, and, and put it on. I'm like, no, he was just depressed. And then a day and a half later, they're talking about how he was depressed. And, you know, like, yes, it's the most obvious thing. The thing I find interesting is no one that I've heard yet has called it, like, called this a suicide. Um, well, I mean, we don't it's, know it's a, all the answers, right? I mean, we, we only have I mean, assumptions. It, it, he, I mean, the it sounds like the information they have is he turned off the autopilot. He cranked down. It's kind of a click, click, click knob, and you have to really crank it to turn down the, the altitude, right? So he turned and turned and turned and turned and turned. And... You know, the pilot's banging on the door and you can hear, let me in, let me in. And he's just sitting there breathing. And and it was like eight minutes. And, uh, you know, it, no, I'm just, I find it interesting. You know, as soon as I heard it, especially the part about how the pilot locked the other guy out and crashed a plane, depressed, you know, not clinical. I mean, I'm not saying, my, my feel was they're going to find this guy was depressed. Yeah. And he committed suicide by plane, by pilot, as a pilot. Right. I just find it interesting. I have not heard a news report yet that has said the word suicide. I think that it's you. You don't normally associate suicide with killing two hundred other people. You you hear like suicide bombers, right? But I mean, there's. I mean, it's it's equivalent to suicide. Maybe not equivalent's not the right word, but you know, suicide by cop, right? You you right. get a cop to shoot you, kill right. you. You know, this guy had a means of killing himself, and the 150 other people were collateral damage. I mean, I've never been depressed. I don't know how they think, but I would presume that they're not too worried about. 
the 150 people in the back. They're well, they're so overcome with what they're dealing with that it's like this is my only so option. Last time, you're you're the star of your story. Everyone else is just yeah. players. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the things I do understand about depression is it is overwhelming. It is, and he saw an option, and he probably did not consider. Let's land this plane, and I'll jump off a bridge. You know, he didn't right, yeah. consider that. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have any anything to say about this, really. I guess I could say the one thing that this is this would be unlikely to happen in America in the same way because the regulations require there to be two people. In yeah, the- I mean, you fly on an American flight. If the pilot or one of the pilots has to go to the bathroom, a flight attendant goes into the cockpit and hangs out. So presumably she would be able to at least get the door open. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the pilot could overpower the person, keep them from doing it, kill them, and then crash the plane. Right. If someone's that motivated, there's not much you can do about right. it. They could have done that to the pilot anyway, so to the co-pilot. So. Yeah, he could have slit the pilot's throat and then crashed the plane. I mean, but, I mean, when you're dealing with things like depression, that kind of protocol probably would have been effective. Yeah, because it's it's a lot easier to to be alone and crash and run in the room and crash plane than it is to slit somebody's throat and that for a depressed person that's a it's a lot to do mm-hmm. other than just setting it and then letting it go or whatever. Right. So I don't I, I don't but I hesitate to talk much about it because I don't really know much about it. Sure. It was ISIS. It was definitely ISIS because that—that's what they were. That—that that will help ISIS a Crash lot. Crash crashing a plane, plane in the Alps. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for for tonight. Yeah, I'd say an hour and forty-five is is plenty. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you soon.